welcome to transition gadgets 360's gaming and pop culture podcast in today's episode we are going to be talking about a lot of things gaming so that starts with some controversy around player unknowns battlegrounds and fortnite apparently one of them has been trying to copy the other the forza 7 fifa 18 shadow of war and of course the games we've been playing this week So as always we've got our games editor Rishi Alwani greetings friend of the podcast Mikhail Madnani hello and I'm your host Pranay Parab so i think first of all let's start by talking about PUBG versus Fortnite apparently Fortnite ha- also has a battle royale mode and that's like the only mode in PUBG yeah so something we discussed on a previous edition of transition where uh, Fortnite was getting a battle royale mode in addition to its you know other gameplay modes which include co-op and survival and other stuff so uh, apparently what was really amusing was on Friday night or Friday evening the nice people at Bluehole yes that's the publisher of player unknown battlegrounds it's a company called Bluehole let's get the jokes out of the way here's a pause for that Okay so long story short blue hole decided to email everyone and their grandmother who was on their mailing list about how they're uh, concerned disturbed and perturbed about uh, Fortnite borrowing battle royale and you know contempl- are contemplating further action against uh, against Epic Games the makers of Fortnite which makes it all the more d- delicious because uh, player unknown battlegrounds is running on the unreal engine which is made by Epic Games uh and uh, yeah they they can they, they want to contemplate further action and they're very disturbed how uh epic games is using player unknowns battlegrounds to market fortnite which again i don't see what the problem is because the battle royale genre has existed before player unknown battlegrounds we've seen games like h1z1 do it first to the point where the makers of h1z1 daybreak studios have said it openly that there wouldn't be pubg without h1z1 and in fact all of this is again an offshoot from arma which is a, a tactical realistic military shooter that's gained a cult popularity status so at the end of it it's really amusing to see uh, blue hole take offense to this and what what made matters even more amusing is that uh, a couple of days later they clarified their stance and they talked about uh, it, it being a being not a battle royale about their problems with epic not being a battle royale game but with the fact that uh, at the end of the day you have a situation where uh, it's it's getting where they use where they calling out pubg directly yeah. but either way i mean it's kind of petty because if you think about it um this was going to happen this year i mean we've seen it with other genres we've seen it with popular genres before we saw that point in time where everyone wanted to make a mobile to catch up with dota 2 and league of legends we still see that in the mobile space we saw that period of time where everyone tried making an mmo to catch up to world of warcraft and yeah there are one or two that have succeeded like final fantasy but by and large most have failed so it just seems to be a situation where i mean regardless of how popular you are there are going to be people people who are going to, who are going to try their luck and i mean this year it's epic games next year it'll probably be ubisoft who knows probably they'll probably include a battle royale mode in the division for all we know in battlefield or, or maybe assassin's creed origin for that matter <laughs> but then point is yeah even ea would probably want to try their hands at it right it's a popular mode it's something people play and yeah for those of you who aren't aware a battle royale mode is essentially a ton of people in a single map beating the crap out of each other but yeah apparently pubg has issues which is amusing in itself but yeah that's a thing I yeah. just think it boils down to the fact that Fortnite is available on PS4, PUBG isn't. 
largest console audience right now is on PS4. PUBG is not there with a battle royale mode or any mode for that matter. So yeah, I mean, it's just one way for them to capitalize. I think uh, the bigger problem is uh, Fortnite is here before PUBG on both Xbox and on PS4. PUBG is going to come to PS4 eventually. It's going to come to Xbox before the year is up, apparently. Yep. And if you get people involved in Fortnite and they start spending money over there, they might not want to get into PUBG because PUBG already has multiple forms of microtransactions through various kinds of loot boxes and loot crates. So if you already have people doing this, like you, uh, the people who would probably want to play PUBG, if they get turned off from Fortnite's Battle Royale mode, they'll probably be like, oh, this is just like that, but it looks worse. Why should I bother? Yeah, and, then, and Microsoft is still not pushing PUBG for some reason. Like it's literally the, I think it's the best-selling IP if you consider it of the year on any platform. So it's pretty crazy that Microsoft's not pushing it at all. Microsoft's still whatever, just wasting time talking about controllers and Doritos and the like. So yeah, I mean, if you go by Aaron Greenberg's Twitter feed, it's all about controllers and Doritos at this point in time. And yeah, it's it's weird, right? But then again, it also goes to show that at the end of the day. No matter how how much everyone wants to claim that all gaming audiences are more or less the same, they're not. Last year, when Ark Survival Evolved was the hot selling thing on Steam, that didn't exactly translate to massive sales on Xbox One either. It did though. Not exactly. It did. Like at least on PS4, it broke a million in a month. PS4, I'm talking Xbox One. Okay. Yeah, mm. we didn't hear anything on sales figures on Xbox One. That's my point. So like, I don't know. It just goes to show that it. I have a feeling they might be taking the wrong bets with this one and maybe they just realized it. It's possible. Yeah, probably. They need to like get it out somewhere before like people get bored of it or tired of it like they did with Daisy and the stuff. Like obviously this has broken every record on Steam in terms of concurrent players and all but the fad will probably end at some point. I mean, it's prob- it's going to be sooner rather than later and you can tell by the fact that they've already included microtransactions as a form. Of- to me, it seems like a form of retention more than anything else because it's a single game mode, right? There's only so much you can do with a single game mode. I mean, you added, at first it was third person only and yay, they added first person, thank God. Then they added controller support, yay. But then by and large, I mean, what else are you going to add to this, right? There's not much more you can do unless you, you know, add a single player mode or yeah, how about add a story? multiplayer. Yeah, or add a story. So I don't know how it's going to work out. And honestly, I think it's a situation where uh, they've realized that too. So how else are you going to stay relevant? Yeah. All right, then moving on to other things, Microsoft, uh, Forza 7. Yeah, so Mike, Forza 7. What about it? I mean, from so so there's a lot actually going on. For one, the Ultimate Edition releases on the 29th, which is a few days away of this recording. Uh, It has a mandatory patch. We've spoken about this before. Uh, You will be able to play some stuff off the disc if you buy it, but you will need to download the patch for a majority of the important stuff for the game. Turn 10 has gone on record and spoken about why they didn't do a multi-disc release for Forza 7. Because uh, for one, Xbox One is the only console that can actually support multi- multiple disc installs. So they could have, uh, like since you say take, I think if you take 45 GB as the max, you can put on a single Blu-ray. If they would have gone with two, it would have been 90 and the final install size is 100. So having people download only 10 GB or 5 GB before it expands to 10 would have been much better than making people download 50 GB. And they said they evaluate these things and they look into it. And it just reminded me of when Phil Spencer said uh, they cancel Scalebound because it's better for gamers in the end and stuff like that. So it's just hilariously a terrible thing to say. Because at the end of it, when you have support for two discs, why it just, it just reeks of being cheap. And it's the, it's the biggest game 
uh, it's the biggest Microsoft game coming out this year, aside from Minecraft, I'd say. But Minecraft more to do with it being everywhere else, as well as it being here with the crossplay. But Forza is literally their big flag- flagship exclusive this year, and uh, you're, you're basically screwing people over who buy discs. Like even people who buy the Ultimate Edition will get screwed over because uh, Forza Ultimate Editions are one of the biggest scams in AAA gaming. Because when you usually buy an Ultimate Edition, which is $100, you assume it has uh, all the content, but it doesn't. It just has uh, like this thing called Forza VIP, which gives you a discount and lets you earn stuff faster. It doesn't actually have the expansion passes. So, yeah. Yeah. So, and to me, I don't know, it just seems that the fact that they want, that they're so desperate to cut out retail, they're so desperate to cut out brick and mortar stores. I mean, fine, that's where the business is going and I don't blame them. But at the end of it, have they even considered that not all consumers have the speeds they want? Maybe a large chunk, a large chunk of the Xbox playing populace might, but at the end of the day, you're still screwing people over. And you, you can't, I, I don't understand how they can even think this is a good idea. Because and this is the second, this is the first time Microsoft's done this. We've seen this, seen this with Halo Master Chief Collection, which shipped broken on disc, and required a, a patch as large as the game itself to be fixed. So I, I just don't think Microsoft has its priorities straight, and this is one of the reasons why people prefer other consoles. Hmm. And uh, yeah, basically we're a few days away from release, and uh, almost no one has played the final game yet. Yeah, there's been like at this point in time, despite several emails and several back and forth calls with people from Microsoft, it seems that uh, code for India at least and other parts of the world are nowhere to be found. Usually, uh, usually Microsoft's very good with giving the press early access to their games. Like uh, Forza Seven, Forza Horizon Three, we got pretty early. Turned out to be amazing. They even sent Forza Six early. A lot of people liked it. I didn't. Forza Seven. Um, it just, it's it's just baffling that you have a game now. Even if they do send over a code or a disc, someone needs to download 100 GB to play this. Exactly. And this doesn't even include the Xbox One X patch, which will ship a few days after the Xbox One X launches. So yeah, like just yeah. I mean, it's just like they're not operating with on firing on all cylinders. And I and I think the same should be said with the Xbox One S, which uh, if the rumor is to be believed, may be launched earlier. It's supposed to be October 10th, but we're hearing rumors that it might release on October 5, October 6, uh, for some reason beyond our understanding. But yeah, that's Microsoft for you. Mm-hmm. All right then. So uh, moving on to things that are actually important for India. Uh, FIFA 18 was out, right, last week? Oh, yes. Uh, so not exactly out in the sense that it's out, out, but more like it's out if you know where to look. Mm. So to break it down for you guys, uh, FIFA 18 Ronaldo edition has been available in India since Friday of last week. And yes, you'll be paying a lot more to get it early, close in the range of seven, 8,000 rupees. And there have been people who've been paying that much. Uh, at the same time, we've seen both Flipkart and Amazon uh, cut prices on the game, which is amusing as hell. Uh, it started with Flipkart listing the game for 3699 as opposed to the MRP of 4000 and uh, what followed next was Amazon also listing at 3699 Now, at the same time, uh, and this is something we reported exclusively on Gadgets, on Gadgets360.com, was that uh, FIFA would be available at offline retail via an, uh, a Delhi-based distributor called Zupitex. So what happened the moment Amazon and Flipkart decided to indulge in a little price war was uh, everyone who had placed orders with Zupitex uh, decided to cancel orders because their logic was, why should we pay 37 or 3800 as our buy price for FIFA when Amazon is selling to the end consumer at 3700 So there's, it's a big mess right now. 
and because of this uh, lot, those who those who, who who smuggled in copies are stand to profit immensely because as we said earlier fifa is a kind of game where even a small hole in the wall store want 200 units off so it's it's turned out to be quite the mess and a lot of it also has to do with ea's own decisions uh, wherein they decided to go with amazon for the record uh, neither amazon nor ea rep- replied to our repeated request for comment on how ea games are supposedly exclusive to amazon but find their way everywhere else and now apparently with amazon's blessing because that's how zupitex has got it that's what zupitex is telling everyone yeah. so it's just a gigantic mess and uh, at the end of the day the consumer suffers because uh, it's a big game it's something everyone cares about something everyone plays and at the same time you can't get stuff doesn't show up on time stuff doesn't show up how, how it should and i mean there's a good chance that amazon themselves are probably going to delay orders like they do on every year so yeah it's a it's a little it's a bit of a disturbing trend particularly for those of us who are fans of the game and this year fifa has the better game it's just tragic that everything around fifa and ea in india with amazon is a mess just buy digital and be happy um debatable just buy a better game and be happy <laughs> i mean debatable about digital being better because you have no resale value what's the point i mean yeah, games like, are expensive right oh uh, uh, i know a lot of people who traded in fifa 17 a few weeks ago some even last week because like as much as you get a discount on fifa 18 do it because it's absolutely useless after the new one comes out yeah all right then so speaking of uh, things that did not go particularly well uh shadow of war is back again to torment us on this podcast oh yeah and this won't be the last time from the looks of things so um long story short a good the, the nice people at eurogamer finally got a comment from the from shadow of war developers a monolith on uh, why the game has loot boxes uh, for those of you who are unaware shadow of war is a open world game set in the lord of the rings universe where you play as talion who's a ranger and his body is also possessed by a dead elf known as celebrimbor if i get that name correctly so uh, what's been happening is the game single player campaign has loot boxes now for the loot boxes are essentially randomized items you get and the loot boxes in shadow of mordor sorry shadow of war include uh, orcs which you can use to fortify your defenses and they can help you speed up the process of building building up your fortifications and stuff like that so Anyway, the nice people at Eurogamer managed to get a comment out of Bob Roberts, who's the design director, and uh, there were a bunch of very pointed questions, which I appreciate. First of which is that, uh, what can you say to reassure fans who will never buy a loot box that Shadow of War still has still been balanced well enough, that's still fair to play? Uh, so the uh, the reply was, that was quite amusing, where it's basically that they do a lot of play testing, they play the game offline, where it's where it's where you can't even go online to check what loot boxes you have to see if the balance works out. and uh at the second thing is uh, then eurogamer then went on to ask uh, that you know uh when people do go online they see prompts asking them to buy stuff and uh, how do you even consider that fair what's what's the motive here and uh amusingly enough bob roberts goes goes on to say that uh first the concern about balancing when it's out and people are able to talk about the experiences you'll probably know that it works fine and the other thing is that uh with the game it's it's important to understand that you don't need to be online to play the game which is i mean really amusing in a way it's basically when your defense is basically oh you don't have, it's an optional thing i mean then why is it even there which then leads to the very next and very pointed question which was why put it all there at all and uh, why as a design director do you spend your life ensuring players don't get bottlenecked and other people get the resources they want why even complicate things and i think it makes sense to uh, read this entire reply verbatim which was 
yeah in the game you earn resources at a regular pace and the systems are tuned so you don't have the, that you don't need another option at the same time it's there as a player choice it's there from my perspective for people who are, who are protective of their spare time and scared when a massive game comes along that they're not getting the full experience it's the same design philosophy as us adding difficulty modes so now we have easy mode we have a hard mode at the other end of the spectrum frankly the nemesis system comes to life when you're dying loads so you could see easy mode as a system that makes the game less enjoyable if you're the type of player who should have put it on hard it's about putting control in people's hands saying you know how to play best you make that choice the ideal for people who set it easy is that they are finding things too punishing and they don't want to die we rather you die regularly to get the full experience of the nemesis system okay so i think mike is like jumping up and down in his chair here so you might want to tell us what's on your mind so before i give in my inputs <laughs> uh that reasoning is pretty bullshit because uh, while a lot of publishers both in japan and outside japan have ways of uh, letting you pay for certain uh, dlc which will make your gameplay easier and let you basically steamroll over everything doing it through loot boxes which are randomized and involve rng basically just means you're greedy because uh, there's a lot of jrpgs where uh, they actually let you buy say like if your game costs $60 you can buy a $2 item which will be reusable it'll give you a quest which gives you a lot of experience or there'll be another one like this which will give you a lot of money so you can just keep repeating this and that's how your game gets fine tuned this is still really really bad because you should just give people different difficulty options and difficulty options which scale well and uh, accommodate every kind of player like look at sony they're doing this with uncharted 4 and horizon zero dawn which are the two big games or even uncharted the lost legacy there's a thing called story mode or explorer mode which basically makes combat almost brain dead simple and it's just for people who want to experience a story or people who aren't familiar with controls and third person shooters and the like that's what you should do yeah even the witcher had that the witcher 3 yeah even pillars of eternity yeah. which just released on console recently when it uh, got a major patch on pc before it had a super easy mode which basically made everything you can just play it for story essentially mm. so that's how you should do it if you actually care about the people playing your game don't give me that bullshit that oh you if you if you want to save your time waste money and waste time opening loot boxes to maybe get a chance of having a better experience i think a lot of it essentially has to do with them posturing and i think this is posturing over the fact that they can't say it openly but to me it just seems like you want to prey on people with addictive personalities you want to to me it seems like a situation where you're looking at a way to normalize gambling in video games that's what it seems that's like that's already me. happened though and but it's always in free to play games or is always in uh, multiplayer games exactly and which is why at the end of the day when i'm pay- when i'm already paying 60 dollars for a single player campaign i should be able to get the full experience without having to resort to this to me it just seems that some smug mba kid sitting on the executive business side at, at warner brothers decided that this was a good idea because all the cool kids are doing it what the, what the guy failed to realize is that the cool kids who are doing it are doing it in free to play or multiplayer games and it's for, and the best examples are the ones who are restricted to cosmetics Yeah. So at the end of the day you can it it just makes I think that this uh, the the defense of Warner Brothers in this case while spirited is has no holds no ground in my opinion. Mm-hmm. All right then. So is there anything else in the world of gaming that we want to discuss or should we talk about the games we've been playing and actually go to the interesting bits? Well, I think there's one thing we should bring up 
I think there's one thing we should bring up, which is last week we talked about Doom and how Doom is going to be coming to Switch. Uh, I think it goes to show that, yeah, a lot of developers have no excuse not to back the platform. And on that note, we have a cool video explaining what games we want to see on the Switch. Uh, one of them is, uh, which is already on its way, which obviously didn't make the list because it's on its way, is L.A. Noir, And I believe uh, Mike's got some lovely intel on that game for so, us. So uh, 2K sent out a press release to Japanese media because they just announced the release date for Japan today. And uh, so wait, L.A. Noir Wasabi edition. Yeah. Okay. So we actually have more details about the port and like resolution, gameplay controls and stuff. So it's going to be 1080p in docked, which is the TV mode. And on tabletop or handheld mode or portable mode, it's going to be 720p, which is native for both displays. Uh, what's interesting is there are a variety of control methods available. There's going to be a contextual touch control method for, I guess, for inspecting stuff. Uh, they even went the extra mile and they added uh, gyroscope aiming with Joy-Cons. Wait, what does that mean? Does that mean I can basically motion controlled aiming? Yeah. Nice. So they added that. Uh, they've also fixed and changed some of the camera modes. There are multiple camera modes available for the Switch so that if you're playing it on the small screen, it'll be a, like it'll be easier to play than playing it on a big screen. Uh, very impressed with these details. Obviously, uh, them not mentioning 60 FPS should imply it's going to be 30 FPS. It most likely will be 30 FPS unless they've said it is on PS4 and Xbox One as well. I mean, again, it's for a game like LA Noir, I am of the belief that lower the frame rate, the better. It's that kind of game where at the end of it, it's not going to make a difference because uh, a lot of your time is going to be spent investigating stuff. A lot of your time is going to be face is going to be spent looking at suspects' faces and deciding whether they should be innocent, guilty, and all that stuff. So I frankly don't think a 60 FPS 60 FPS makes a difference in a game like this. And to be honest, the performance is perfectly fine on the PS3 and Xbox 360 at 30 FPS at the subpar 1080 resolution was back in the day. So honestly, I I'm, I wouldn't be worried by the resolution, uh, by, by the frame rate. I'm just saying this is the thing because usually when uh, uh, when these PR announcements don't have frame rate mentioned, it's not 60. Yeah. If, it, if it had 60, they'd just be happily shouting 60 FPS but because it's a buzzword for a lot exactly. of people. Exactly. But what, what's, what's interesting is that they've actually went the extra mile in terms of control. It seems that way which is more than we can say for other uh, successful Switch games like Disgaea 5 and Mario Rabbids, which both should have touchscreen support and don't. I mean, every game should have touchscreen support for the menus at least. Because, exactly. Yeah, but then like Nintendo has uh, basically shown that it's not something which is essential and not something which is required when you do stuff on Switch. This, like, which I is can amusing. see Mario Rabbids, Mario Rabbids not having it, fine, I understand that because... Uh, the gameplay, the camera isn't fixed. You, They have lots of dynamic angles and all. Disgaea is like fixed. Disgaea should have had it. But I'm just glad they fixed the random stutter which happened in the hub world in Disgaea, making it now the definitive version according to me. But uh, yeah, that's basically LA Noir. It's going to release in India on Switch also. Like, it's really funny that uh, we actually have so many Switch games coming to retail in India. Uh, the big ones were like Mario Rabbids. Uh, after that, we got Rayman, Lego Worlds. We're going to have, maybe, maybe not Skyrim. I don't know. Doom is definitely going to be here. Yeah, Doom's definitely going to be here too. And NBA we also have some details well. about Doom. Uh, uh, the people who are handling the Doom port are the same people doing the Rocket League port on Switch. I think the name is Panic Button. Yeah, Panic Button. And uh, Doom is going to be 30 FPS as well. And uh, 
I want to see how this plays because I'm definitely going to pick up Doom on the Switch. But uh, a lot of people are crying. But then this could be the usual people who cry about any. Oh my God, it's 1079p. It's not 1080 unplayable. So we'll see how it is when the game actually ships in. Uh, I think December's when it's going to release. Yeah, Doom doesn't have a date yet. So yeah, we're assuming it's December. But yeah, so th- that's basically the roundup of all the. slightly depressing news that's been happening but in better news and in other retail news wolfenstein 2 collectors edition is making its way over here oh yes that's a big deal that's a big deal for a lot of us particularly because for those of you who are unaware uh, with wolfenstein uh, new order we had a situation where uh, the game was an ex- at an exorbitant 4899 price point for a standard edition <laughs> yes we'll give you a moment to let let that sink in so if you thought microsoft had it bad with 4699 for halo 5 Yeah, this was its maker. So, a long story short, the game sold very poorly at that price. Not too many picked it up. It was amusing. <coughs> it was amusing because uh, when uh, when Bethesda decided to do the rounds and check who actually reviews who actually reviewed Wolfenstein New Order, there were all of three reviews, and they were all by me at that time. Because uh, yeah, I was stupid enough to pay that price. Let's let that's another story for another time though. But yeah, uh, so it's nice to see them actually takes take things seriously, bring in the collector's edition, and have a somewhat better price point for the game across the board. So if that's something you're looking forward to, yeah, you might want to check it out locally, uh, and it should be worthwhile. It's only on Games Shop as with all uh, eXpress Interactive uh, game collector's edition. So. If you wanted, you might want to pre-order. They're supposed to list South Park Collector's Edition as well. As far as I know, it hasn't gone up yet. But uh, the thing with these Collector's Editions in India is because so few people buy them, uh, they usually cut off orders after a certain date, and after that, they won't be available. Yeah. So if you need one on PC specifically, you might want to order it soon. If you want one on PS4, it might. There's a chance it'll be available around release. But if you want one on PC, you need to get it soon. probably don't bother getting it on xbox i don't think it'll make it here as has happened in the past where uh, usually ps4 and pc stuff only shows up for yeah. collector's editions i mean the only exception to the rules being uh, deus ex mankind divided even mgs5 yeah those two in the recent past but by, by and large most collector's editions haven't made it on the xbox one so yeah so yeah all right then so in truly interesting news we move to the mike's weird games segment of the podcast um so this week i think we've all been playing slightly less weird games right yeah yeah what have you i'll, I'll go last this time all right so uh, rishi you want to start okay so i've been playing dishonored death of the outsider and Ooh, i have nobody cares so Bye. many issues <laughs> so many issues where Wait, do i begin tell me something does the outsider die What do you think the title is? <laughs> I mean, that's one of the many options, obviously. Yeah. But yeah, there's Wait, no. So if you choose another option, does the box art change? And <laughs> I wish. No. So I mean, like five missions, seventy ninety nine price. I mean, should have been polished, right? I mean, it is polished for most part, but man, the story is so disappointing. The way they change character arcs is so disappointing. It's just amusing. The entire game goes from. I mean, because see, the, for those of you who don't know, the the outsider is this. a uh, trickster god kind of guy who basically calls the shots in the dishonored universe he's the guy responsible for corvo getting his powers in the first game corvo's daughter emily getting her powers in the second game and so on and so forth so it seems that these two very ambitious characters from uh, this from the dishonored uh, one expansions and dishonored 2 decided to kill the outsider because in their own words the black eyed insert expletive deserves to die and so that way he can't just gift ma- magic to whoever he sees fit Now that would be all fine and dandy, except one of these characters, whose name is Dodd, uh, said in earlier, claimed in earlier games that it's 
that he doesn't blame the outsider from doing what he's doing. So there's like a complete role reversal there, which is kind of inconsistent. And uh, the missions themselves aren't that hot. Uh, the villains themselves aren't that interesting. In past games, you really met some very nuanced, uh, conflicted characters who were really cool and actually made you think twice before actually killing them. Here it was like, okay, I mean, yeah, you guys are bad, just kill. And and then the, the way the plot point uh, decided to converge the way uh, you suddenly realize there's a cult of the outsider it seemed too damn convenient and it's super polished don't get me wrong it's one of the more polished games this year and its performance is impeccable regardless where you're playing it on but from a pure content and story standpoint it's so disappointing and more so because I'm a fan of Dishonored I mean I, I've, I've finished the first two games in stealth mode which is like pretty tough and uh, I expected a lot more here in terms of narrative, in terms of lore. There's one good part, though, where uh, in, you know, I think the third mission of the game, you have to crack open this safe. So there are five of them you crack open. It has the Fibonacci sequence, Fibonacci sequence, however you want to pronounce it. And uh, one of them contains a note which is basically fan fiction between Corvid and the stranger, uh, which is basically ends up being, uh, you know, the Dishonored franchise version of the Bro- of Brokeback Mountain, which is quite funny to read. And I was surprised that actually. Oh, when you said fanfic, I thought you meant Dishonored 2. Hey, man, that game was good. (laughs) Right? That game was legit good. Mm. Had some of the best level design you'll see in your entire life if you go go ahead to play it. It's really, really good. Recommended for anyone. Now that the PC bugs are being ironed out, yeah, definitely. Which made Dishonored Death of the Outsider very disappointing. Oh, and also, like, surprisingly, Dishonored Death of the Outsider is the. Another Bethesda game which is cheaper at retail than it is on Steam and it has a Steam code inside. So, yeah. But. That aside, I've been playing Battle Chasers Night War, which is made by the guys responsible for Darksiders, uh, helmed by Joe Maduera. And the game is really good. If you like J- Japanese RPGs, if you love Final Fantasy IX, you should play this game. Uh, it's got a really nice dark fantasy, arcane punk art style. It's got really nice battle mechanics. It's it, and it's And it has a kind of roguelite element to it, because when you go into a dungeon each time, they are randomly generated. So it's really, really cool. Uh, the music's also pretty good. It's done by Jesper Kid, the same guy behind Hitman and uh, I think Assassin's Creed Syndicate as well. So definitely worth checking out. That's probably going to be our October 3rd. We should have a review uh, around Embargo, which should be, I think, a day or two before that. But yeah, mm. Battle Chasers Night was looking really nice. In fact, it's one of those games that I feel uh, would work really well on the iPad. Simply because the, the 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 turn-based mechanics, the navigation, they all work really they they all work really well on a touchscreen. Which leads me to believe that hopefully when the game comes on Switch, which is due this year, uh, not at the same time as the Xbox One, PS4, and PC versions, would actually come with touchscreen support. I hope. But yeah, that's looking really good. Definitely one worth checking out. Hmm. Okay. Cool. So I have been playing more of Darkest Dungeon as I have been speaking about for the last few episodes. I mean, for 400 rupees, what I got is like a game with so much content that it's actually a lot of fun to play. Now I've defeated three bosses and I'm looking forward to doing more of that. And in the process, like I realized that in the game, there's this element called the torch. So the light keeps decreasing. But if you sort of let it decrease to like complete darkness, then the enemies fight really hard. And I lost like two or three of my characters that way because I ran out of torches in one particular mission. So pledge never to run out of that. Anyway, so I've been playing that. And along with that, I've also been playing another game on my iPad, which is The Witness. So The Witness is this uh, epic puzzle game, which is like Mike's favorite puzzle game of all time. Yeah, uh, that's Taros Principle, right? No, now Oh, this. sorry, Portal 2. 
Hmm. Is that Talos Principle or Portal 2? It used to be Talos Principle and now it's The Witness. So now it's The Witness, then Talos Principle, then Fez and then after that like Portal and all. So, but then how can Witness be number one? There's no cake. Huh? There's no cake. You haven't played it yet. Cake, dude. <laughs> oh, so there is cake. Maybe. Is the cake a lie? Hmm. Well, it's a better lie than Portal 2. <laughs> uh, shocking. But yeah, like... Yeah, so... Uh, I I have been waiting for witness on iOS for a very long time and Everyone now has, yeah. yeah I mean they've been teasing it for so long it got leaked in by Apple in like a small video somewhere again it got leaked before they could announce it until finally uh, Tekla Inc which is not a Gujarati company said uh, <laughs> uh that the cats out of the bag now and the witness for iOS is coming very soon which is when we learned it was also coming to iPhone yeah so is the uh, is the iOS version of witness called iWitness uh <laughs> Sure, just like how uh, Final Fantasy VII's protagonist is iCloud on yeah. iOS 7 for iOS. More like Isaac, am I right? Yeah. Or would that be Binding of Isaac? Yeah. So yeah, I've been, been playing that. Um, actually, I was very surprised to see that you know this is coming from the developer of Braid, right? And Braid had such a well-defined story right at the beginning. But The Witness just puts you out there and then you have to discover the story slowly. So as you like maybe solve a puzzle or two, then you'll start to figure out what is going on. I think a lot of it also has to do with the fact that, uh, see, if you notice how certain developers' biographies are, right? Mm. I mean, sorry, discographies are, if you'd like to call them that, how their body of works progressed. Yeah. Uh, very few of them uh, aren't straight jacketed into a certain genre type. I mean, we've seen Warren Spector, who made uh, Deus Ex, who made System Shock, System Shock 2. Uh, I mean, he because he was so fried with doing that, he ended up making Epic Mickey, of all things. So, uh, I mean... At least in the case of John, uh, in in case of Jonathan Blow, because he's an independent developer, right? He doesn't have, he's not constrained. So I mean, he can afford to make different stuff each time. I think we've seen this with some other uh, indie devs as well. The guy, the Behemoth, the guys who made Castle Crashers. The game before that was Alien Hominid, which wasn't exactly similar. So yeah, I think it has to do with the fact that yeah, because you're independent, you can do whatever you need to. Yeah, so uh, this game is totally and completely different from Braid, uh, except for the quality of puzzles. Um, like some of these puzzles are actually very, very difficult. You need to spend a lot of time to figure out what's going on because it's not like they he's leaving any hints for you anywhere. So you just uh, randomly, it's a first person game. I should say that at this point, you just go uh, to uh, like, uh, you just walk around the world and initially you're like, you're on this island basically. So you just walk around various places there and then you find puzzles randomly lying about everywhere, which unlock doors, which uh, unlock hidden areas. Sometimes it'll uh, maybe let you progress from one area to another and things like that. So once you go and see a puzzle, there are no hints. There's nothing to tell you how to solve it. All you have to do is look at the pattern, try and figure out if uh, like, you know, maybe, uh, maybe for example, just draw a line through a bunch of dots and maybe that's what they want. Do they want all the black dots on one side of the line and white dots on another side? You just figure out on your own. So it's not like there's going to be any tutorial or any guide in the game and you just jump right in. Uh, also, it's it's basically an open world game on an island because if you get stuck on a certain set of puzzles, you can just go leave that area, go somewhere else, start doing other stuff and then come back here. In fact, when I was playing it on PS4, uh, I think I put in like 70 hours into it and like basically start seeing puzzles all over the real world also because <laughs> of how the game is. And, uh, and yeah, the only thing I don't like, which is pretty much expected from Jonathan Blow's games is like some of the audio logs are like, pretentious as hell mm, yeah <laughs> i mean he's so, an indie developer what do you expect yeah so uh but yeah the 
there's almost like a guarantee that people who play this without using a guide are not going to see even 20% of the content by the time they finish it yeah and uh, but yeah like the other thing about the iOS version is it has both touch and controller support and if you use controller it becomes exactly like the console version yeah touch controls are not that great to be honest because uh movement is the biggest problem in my opinion like you i mean obviously going from here to there is easy but then you have to constantly keep panning the screen to look around and that really gets to me but then solving the puzzles is just like probably better on touch than it is on controllers uh solving the puzzles yeah but the problem is some puzzles require you to be in a certain position with like the sun sunlight going through the leaves and like giving a shadow on the other on the puzzle board mm. in a certain way so i haven't reached that point because it's about 20 hours in but yeah. uh, i i don't know how that's going to work with touch because you don't have the uh obviously like uh, you don't have the precise controls of a controller yeah. for that even though they've made movement navigation they made a lot of stuff really good with touch i think they're going to improve it it's already had two updates since it launched yeah it did. which has uh, one of them improved performance on the 7 plus quite a bit so so yeah basically yeah i mean i wouldn't want to play this on an iphone honestly like I yeah i still is, just yeah. since whatever I had to check out yeah. is uh the darkest dungeon dlc is going to release soon on ios incredible huh? which really was uh, so that game was $20 on uh, PC and PS4 and Vita and the DLC was $10 it mm. was $5 on iOS i'm pretty sure the DLC will be like four they're not going to do like $2 DLC yeah so but yeah so i, I guess you're going to pick it up for sure regardless. yeah 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 at this point like i've put in enough in that game i maybe like uh i think i would have put in at least like 7 to 10 hours in that game already and for 400 rupees which i paid for it that's like super value for money and i'm not even halfway through yet So yeah just looking forward to playing more of the witness uh, this week i don't have a controller so i'll be like stuck with the touch controls uh, apart from looking around i don't think there's any other problem as such and yeah the game looks fantastic plays fantastic totally worth 800 rupees just go and get it like on pc for the longest time it was 40 dollars right oh uh, the india price was 849 rupees ha so eight conversion yes. which might become more but yeah yeah so uh, i think that that's because of regional pricing on on yeah otherwise it's right? 40 dollars yeah. on ps4 on xbox as far as i know it's not even available in india because a lot of indie developers just don't put their games up in india yeah. uh i think this happened with the games with gold uh, what is the game which oxen free and even sonic mania yeah oxen free sonic, sonic mania, mania not really indie but yeah sega decided not to put it's sonic indie all right sega is like struggling indie developer hmm. that's they're why they're struggling for a lot of stuff but not money i mean that's why you know like persona they they've asked emulation sites to remove any mention of persona so yeah so much for fan projects mm, anyway so we got sidetracked a little yeah yeah pricing of uh, witness was like what It's forty dollars basically yeah. everywhere, and on iOS is ten dollars, and it's the exact same game. Yeah, full content like there's no, nothing full, held back. Seamless iCloud sync for save data also yeah. between devices. As I, I mean, if you have a controller, then just like get it. It's a controller for iOS, obviously. It's epic game. Anyway, Mike, what have you been playing? Uh, quite a bit of stuff. Uh, just finished Blue Reflection, uh, which is a JRPG from the developers of the Atelier franchise, which is owned by Tecmo Koei. uh it's sort of like sailor moon meets persona meets atelier it has a very very relaxed high school setting with very very unique art and relaxing music and <laughs> the main story as playing as a, a protagonist a girl who has injured her knee and she's a ballet dancer so she basically has to save the world so she can wish to get her knee back and become a ballet dancer again mm. but it's a jrpg and uh, very very good uh, just finish that uh been playing steam world dig 2 finish that as well which is like easily one of the best indie games released this year 
uh what else have i been playing been playing the witness on ios a bit here and there and uh, yeah pretty much that's it i also like played a bit of minecraft which is the new better together update which hit xbox windows 10 iOS Android and Yeah so now Minecraft is just Minecraft on iOS Yeah it's, it's not, not called not Minecraft Pocket Edition, Pocket edition. Yeah. it's not called Minecraft Xbox One edition yeah. uh the Switch version still hasn't been updated because I'm pretty sure they need to optimize it because it runs pretty bad on Xbox One right now after the patch and it's really funny because when I put the disc in a few weeks ago to play for a few hours the disc had a 1.2 GB patch and now the whole Minecraft is 250 MB Yeah so, so and it makes you wonder right that it took microsoft so long to make minecraft the same across all devices considering it looks like it does so the problem with doing this same thing across all devices low resolution bricks no not that that's still whatever i'll still make fun of the people who want 4k support in minecraft because whatever but uh, they actually brought the mobile ui to xbox one which is a problem because uh, touch and mouse you can do together like you can have the same ui for both because yep. you use your mouse pointer and you use touch at the same way here you got to use an analog stick and uh, i'm not really a fan of what they've done to the xbox one interface and to how almost everything requires you to wait for the network to load like whatever in app purchases are there in it so uh, definitely going to check it out later but yeah looking forward to the switch update Cool then. That's all we have for this episode of Transition and we will see you with another episode next week. As always, don't forget to rate us on iTunes and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube and Instagram at Gadgets360. If you have any questions, comments or feedback, do write to us at podcast at Gadgets360.com. Thanks for listening. And the music for this episode comes via Magnus Solai Paulson, whose album PPP PPP is where the tracks are from.